Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. Hey guys, it's Ruben from Dub, and I'm here with Chris Doe. And Chris, Chris has a really interesting passion. It's it's online education and uh, and remote work as well. And I think it's so appropriate. You know, right now I'm at my my home studio, and my my kids are being homeschooled by us basically. And unfortunately, we have an au pair um, from Ecuador who's I feel so fortunate to have that kind of support. And um, you know, we're going through that process of kind of reinventing ourselves in terms of remote work and online education. Those are our two realms that we're talking about at least six hours a day right now. <laughs> so Chris is an expert in the field. And Chris, let's just get into it, man. The, what's changed? What's going on? Oh, so much has changed. Basically, everybody's either mandatory quarantine or self-quarantine to try to flatten the curve of the spread of the coronavirus and to not to overtax our hospital systems, doing the responsible thing, I hope, and people taking it seriously. So yeah. this has also created uh, a couple of problems, as you've already mentioned. Schools have shut down, and they're warning us that it may be shut down into the end of summer. And if that's the case, what happens? Uh, what what kind of education are my kids going to get? Uh, especially because I've already paid the tuition. What's going on? How do we manage their time? How do we supplement what's happening in school? And are they going to react fast enough? What's happened at the office is we've encouraged every single person to work from home. Uh, some people are electing to, to go to work because it's actually safer at work because there's lots of space to move around and it's not a lot of people. Right. And it's it's causing some disruption, but not a lot because we've already been preparing for this moment because a lot of us are working on very flexible uh, schedules and are working mostly from home. Right now, working from home, WFH, it's, it's an acronym. It's, uh -huh. it's gonna, it's about to explode right now. Yeah. And it, as is the online education segment. Now here's, here's kind of my thing. I feel like there's the technology of it, but then there's the, there's the mentality of it, you know? Yes. And I think that the technology is what people are adapting very quickly. You know, Dub as an asynchronous video platform for sales and marketing, we've seen a huge spike in in in, uh, in demand. Like we had to ch shut off all of our chat because we just can't keep up with all the requests that we're getting. I guess that's good for us, but we're we're also just giving a lot away for free right now mm -hmm, just mm -hmm. to support people. And then online education, you know, I'm seeing Google Classroom. I'm seeing education use Zoom a lot. One interesting thing that I just saw was that the CEO of Zoom um, just said for education, I don't fully understand this, but for education, there's sort of an unlimited kind of free access for some time period, maybe the foreseeable future. Stuff like that is, I think, really great. But the problem, though, that I'm experiencing is that it's a mindset thing that when I'm home, if I'm a kid and I'm home, how do I sort of take it seriously and how do I get into that flow? Yeah, you know, a lot of this is like, say, earthquake preparedness, which is yeah. like once the earthquake hits, it's kind of hard to get prepared because now supplies are short. You know what you're doing. And so this is a wake up call for a lot of people that perhaps this is a sign of where we need to go as society and as a culture. Like I'm prepared because basically I have fast Internet. You need fast Internet. You need a space to work that you feel comfortable in. And as you can see, like I have a fancy camera and uh, what you can see on off camera is I have a teleprompt. I got a whole a system built in to prepare for this time because I do a lot of remote work. Yeah. And so let's talk about getting prepared. So if you're caught kind of after the fact, you're going to panic a little bit. 
And what I do see, which is very encouraging, is some of the on online e-tailers are trying to help promote and sell products at a steep discount so that people can work from home. So web cameras, some microphones, those things help to make this higher fidelity so that we can hear and kind of sort of feel each other a little bit more than say the built-in mic and, and camera that's uh, part of your laptop or, or desktop. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I feel the same way. I feel a lot of gratitude. I feel a lot. I feel very content with the fact that I've been slowly investing into my remote situation. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just like you with a little bit of tech. Look, it's not expensive stuff. I mean, it's a it's for a couple hundred bucks. You can get yourself set up with a monitor, a mic, a webcam, you know, good Internet access, um, just ways to be comfortable, you know. Right. Um, but my, I guess my question is, what are the companies that can't be remote like this, how are they going to solve this? I mean, I think Oof. of retail and I think of yeah. you know, operational logistics. I think of shipping. I mean, I'm ordering stuff on Amazon and it's it's delayed for sure. It's still showing up, you know, whereas my company is fully remote. No, everyone's just home based. Everyone's yeah. quarantined right now. So, you know, what does that look like? I mean, a lot of people are saying that education school systems are going to be closed until the end of summer. I should say yeah. until summertime. Yeah. Right. What is what is your kind of uh, prophecy? What does your crystal ball say in terms of, you know, education and, and shipping logistics and the kind of brick and mortar world? Right. So we can see that with every crisis, uh, every every scenario that's like this, a lot of people are impacted adversely. And then there are some opportunities that happen, right? So people that are in the shipping delivery business, their, their business is booming uh, for whatever reason, because there is this kind of panic buying that's happening. Uh, staples like toilet paper, uh, milk, chicken, I don't know, those things are just off the shelves. And there's not a, a food supply problem, but people are just acting in emotional ways. And I can understand where they're coming from because they're worried that they're not going to have enough. So obviously people in the food supply chain are going to do really well. And, and people who sell staples uh, goods in, in that space are going to do really well. Now, technology companies who are going to be able to enable people to work remotely. Uh, you, you had mentioned that you have an asynchronous uh, uh, video tech company and there's video conferencing. There is uh, companies like Slack, Dropbox, file sharing. Uh, they're going to do well. I didn't even hear of Google Classrooms until today. And now you're the second person telling me about this. So I have to look into what Google Classrooms is about. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's interesting because I think that Google Classrooms is sort of an answer for this that's been around for some time, but mm -hmm. the adoption has just been somewhat questionable. And I think that yeah. that speaks scores about definitely the US education system in terms of how um, tech enabled we are. You know, I think that when you get your kids into a school system, and assuming that the ratio is not terrible, you know, teacher to student, that there is going to be a, a relatively productive experience in the classroom. But that never extends, in my opinion, at least a young age to an online situation. You know, I started using um, Tinker, Tinker with a Y. And Tinker is an online um, home based programming um, education platform that uh, that's really great for young kids and uh you know i was on a programming class with with my son donnie yesterday and that was a productive experience but as i notice when he's using the computer there's you know there's a lot of distractions it's hard yeah. to stay focused and you know i i realized two things number one is that teachers need to be paid a lot more <laughs> yes. because it's not easy what they do but secondly there's some way which which i need to learn more about on 
in terms of how to compartmentalize and keep kids and even adults uh, motivated during the learning process. So what is your take on that? How do we make education more entertaining, more engaging, um, so we're more focused, hmm. kids and adults? Right. Okay, you're you're speaking to, uh, right to to my heart right now because there's a couple of things I want to just talk about first before I answer that question, is that we can't rush to adoption before we kind of take a moment to process what's going on. So there's going to be a minute of adjustment. So if you're not used to working from home, if you're not used to doing homeschooling, there's going to be a moment where we kind of have to ramp into it. And I think as parents, especially, we shouldn't like think that people can flip like 180 degrees right away. So there will be a, some distractions. There will be a little bit more text messaging and watching a Netflix or whatever it is. And then we we adjusted a new reality. And that's when we start to hit our stride. And that's totally OK. OK, so first let's loosen the expectations a little bit to understand it takes time for people to ramp in as it does take people to ramp out of things. Cool. Now, how do we make education more engaging? And I think about this a lot because this is our primary business. I think about the kinds of efforts and energy that are used to build a, a Hollywood film. If you think about it, mm. uh, hundreds of millions of dollars are spent to make one 90-minute uh, piece of content. And they employ, theoretically, the best writers, directors, producers, sound designers, music composers, actors. And they work on this and they test these things. And what is the aim of making a $100 million movie? To make more money. But if we say, if we use that same kind of discipline and thinking and investment of resources to educate people, aren't we better off as a society to spend a fraction of that, say $10 million, to create an amazing course on, uh, I don't know, say trigonometry or something? And I think some companies are trying to do this. I think the, the premise of masterclass is to do something like this, where you have a top tier working professional teaching you their craft and using the same kinds of production power as these Hollywood films are using. Very well produced, well lit, and, and a really great delivery. The problem mm -hmm. with the masterclass premise is that these are teachers and they're not. This is where I think, uh, with the exception of a few people on Masterclass, because I've been looking at what they're doing, they're not really great teachers. They're entertainers. They're mm. practitioners of a craft. And we, we all know this. Just because you practice something does not make you a good teacher. So I'm thinking the answer is somewhere in between all of these things, where we as a society wake up to the reality that our best investment is in the, the people of tomorrow, the children, and put more effort and energy into teaching them as opposed to entertaining them. Mm. It's like you, you follow the money. It tells you where people are interested, right? More money is being made by people in wall street, uh, doing microtransactions and trading on, on commodities and stock futures. That's where the money's at. So of course people wind up becoming investment bankers and stockbrokers and, and financial advisors, but they're not really contributing anything productive to society, but they make all the money. <laughs> well, you know, what's really interesting about what you just said is that I think there is some balance of entertainment and education, infotainment. I heard that term 10 years ago. Yeah, there's some there's some great uh, there's some great YouTube shows. There's actually one in specific, one in particular called Science Max. And I think it's based out of Canada. And I don't know why this guy doesn't have 10 million subscribers that go. Please subscribe. If you have kids 
or if you're into science, please subscribe to Science Max. He's so good. And my kid can watch, my six-year-old son can watch him for hours. Mm -hmm. And he's he's teaching science. I mean, he's teaching Newtonian laws and you know gravity. And he talks about calculus. He talks about aerodynamics. Like he really gets into it. It's so interesting. And it's, of course, very visually engaging, right? Yeah. And one of the things that I think about is you know, this conversation that I think Bill Gates had on some show or some platform, I forgot what it was. And he was saying the one of the major problems that he has not been able to solve, Bill Gates, so his specifically his and Melinda's foundation is education in, in the US. And I think the reason why what he cited was it's it starts with the parents, right? Whatever our issues are in terms of getting our kids to school and really focusing and prioritizing education. But it's also, you know, the kids not necessarily having the motiv motivation, the drive. And then lastly, potentially, it's the infrastructure, right? So what what is, how do we solve education, Chris? How do we okay. solve education? All right. I think Seth Godin talks about this and he talks about like, when you go to work, you ask how little can I do and get away with it. But when you say like, <laughs> You get to work on art you say when do i have to stop because i want to keep doing this yeah and so it's a mindset shift right so one sounds like a chore and one sounds like play and the problem has been for a very long time and still is today education is very much work it's it's forcing me to pursue something i'm not interested in at all and i cannot see the application of what it is that i'm learning like how did advanced calculus help me today as a creative professional it's zero percent Hmm. Yet I'm forced to do that. I'm told that if I do better at that, I, guess what? I get more of it. So that's not helping me out at all. And I think we're living in this time. Uh, we, we're living longer. We're, we're, we have better health than we ever had in the history of mankind or humankind. And so we, we live in this age of abundance, if you really think about it. Yes. And so we have to start thinking about a greater calling or mission or purpose and my job as a parent is to try to figure out what my children want to become and do everything I can to allow them to try and experience things so that they can determine for themselves, this is something I want to do or something I do not want to do. And we don't close off any doors. For example, my 13-year-old son really likes to watch YouTube streams. He likes to play video games. He, he imagines himself as being a YouTuber one day. So I say, is this something you want to do? Because I will send you to YouTube Academy if, if there is such a thing. I will <laughs> do whatever. So I'm not going to box you into some prescriptive thing that's an outdated idea of what a good job or a good life is like. Right. And so we need to kind of change that. So if we say children play, they're never going to stop. So we need that's to make learning feel like playing. And video right. game designers have done a wonderful job of this. So we need to employ some of those people in the way they build reward systems in place, give people a sense of control over the world. They change the rules as one progresses through the levels. So you can achieve mastery from a total novice, not understanding how the game world works at all, and learning all these rules as you play the game. Again, entertainment is really kind of where it's attracting the sharpest minds. And I wish it were happening in education. So I 100% agree with you before. Educators need to be paid a lot more. We'll attract better talent. Love that. Do me a favor. Give me your, as a parent, uh, tell me about your kids' uh, age. And also, please, I want to hear a blitz of all the things that you use to educate your kids. YouTube channels and podcasts yep. and games and whatever it is. I want to hear about those. Okay. So I have a 15-year-old and a 13-year-old. And okay. 
what they they they're very diametrically different human beings and so they have very different paths through education my oldest son he's going to a very private uh, uh high school uh, boarding school on the east coast he he's very academically inclined he's very studious and he's very self-motivated and he aspires to be something great and that's what he wants to do so he's on his path okay my my youngest son he uh, for the last year and a half is homeschooled prior to that he's gone to private school and homeschooling has been very interesting we've used a private online school to deal with the curriculum so he's studying all the traditional subjects but there's a heavy emphasis at home uh, for him to express his creativity. So we draw together, we use the iPad, we're, we're watching YouTube channels about how to express and communicate your ideas visually. We, we, we give him little art projects and both my wife and I are graphic designers. So we're just distilling our, our graphic, uh, education into him as a 13 year old, the things that we experienced in our late teens and into our twenties. So the tools that we use, uh, are, are what's available to everybody. And the first thing I tell him is, before you ask me a question, ask Google first. <laughs> right? Because if it could be answered there, you're just being lazy by asking me. And you're relying on a source of information that's not that reliable to begin with. Right. right. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that there's there's been a couple of things that I've found a lot of uh, truth and wisdom. And just it's just frankly made my life a lot easier as a parent. So the first thing is uh, a podcast, um, uh, brains on. So anytime we're in a drive or we're going somewhere, and he wants to, you know, watch funny videos with with kids making, you know, goo. I say, listen, let's do a podcast. And when he starts to listen to that podcast, he really gets engaged. Mm. And they talk about some great topics. They talk yeah. about fear and and love and and dust and quantum physics. It's awesome. Another thing that I really like is brain games, um, mm. which is a show on Netflix. Kids love that. Slightly, uh, I would say that it's it's more for kind of the the puzzle in inclined mind. You know, mm -hmm. kids like to to kind of solve puzzles. Um, that's a really good one for us. And the most recent thing that that my son Donnie, six years old, has really gotten into is actually just building, like good old fashioned building. So right now, his home project, his homeschool project, is to build my lazy ass an entertainment system it's a cabinet <laughs> to put my stereo system my, and my record player which has been in storage for 18 years uh so he's building that cabinet right up and you know i've got a little webcam feed of him and i'm watching him and it's impressive and it's exactly what you said it's it's gamification and it's it's satisfaction upon completion uh, the last thing i'll say real quick is that i churned out of the kumon system as a parent, he was in the system for two months and he, he did that maybe that many books. It's like probably an inch and a half of just books. And I tell you, I don't understand that system and I don't understand any system like that because it's so mechanical and so rote. And it's it was it got to the point where we would have to raise our voice and discipline him and use fear and take Legos away from him just to get him to finish those books. And he was not learning. Yeah. And how does so? How does that system? How do those types of systems, where it's ungamified, you know, non sort of satisfaction based, why do those still exist? Why are parents and and even even employers, even you know, people that want to train, you know, their teammates and their staff, like how do we still have systems that don't give us that satisfaction <laughs> and that motivation? I love what you said. It's about play. It's not about work. Yeah. I think those systems exist because they're familiar 
and we recognize and we feel safe in that and it feels less risky. Uh, if, if we were to objectively analyze any public high school in America, you'd start to realize that quality of an education isn't what you think it is, but it feels like that's the path. And I, I think this is just the, the normal way that we function in society and that we have a default brain. It's like, I don't want to be challenged too much. And every once in a while, we kind of wake up to the moment and we, we pull the emergency brake. It's like, wait, I need to think about what I'm doing. Uh, otherwise, we slip right back into that default mode. And so I don't know anything about Kuman, but it doesn't sound incredible based on your uh, your story there. But parents feel like other kids are going to Kuman and this has been around for a while. I see multiple franchises through social proof and must be working and they don't really want to think too much. Uh, I, I see a lot of parents panicking right now in that they're taking their education for their children for the first time because of this virus. And they're looking at yeah. like what's happening and they're starting to wake up to like the challenges that teachers have. I see it yeah. all over social media. I realize how hard yeah. it is. Please pay teachers more, pay them as much as you can, because it is hard to teach my child. And then you love that kid too. Just imagine what a stranger has to go through. Right. Um, and you know what? No, you're speaking scores here because parents all over the planet right now are realizing yeah. a couple of things, how hard it is to be a teacher. <laughs> to keep them safe to keep them engaged you know to i mean look i'm doing it with my wife and i are doing it with two kids a kid yeah. and a half because our, our other one's about this tall <laughs> but uh but what's interesting is that imagine doing it with 21 students and without an assistant imagine right now everyone needs to imagine what it's like to be a teacher if you are a parent or a caregiver or a caretaker Imagine what it's like to be a teacher with 20 plus kids in a classroom right now and managing all that ADD and I want this, and I'm thirsty and I have to go to the bathroom. Man, they should they should get paid. They should be the most highly paid individuals on the planet. You know, in uh, I, I want to switch over real quick to I'm going to just jump into the ethnic thing for just a heartbeat here Yeah. Um, on two notes. OK, so note number one is that the idea of a guru, of a sifu, of a master, of a pundit, you know, all these terms that we have in, in, the, in the Asian cultures, um, you know, these are the people are, that are at the highest echelons of society. Like if you look at the old uh, caste systems in definitely in South Asia, the teachers, the gurus were at, at the top. Now, did that mean that they got paid the most? Well, it, not really. It wasn't really like that, but they were directly next to royalty kings and they were at the top right now at some point in our society that that all started to change okay what started to happen was i think more you know getting into the education industry was very accessible a lot of people wanted to get into it maybe that there maybe it was a supply and demand issue but what happened as a result is that teachers now they don't get paid a lot of money and they go on strike you were in Los Angeles during the big strike, and I'm sure your life was affected by it for, for multiple days, if not weeks. Seeing that was an eye-opener for me because I realized that these people who are educating our next generation need to go on strike to demand to get living wages. What is wrong? Like, What is wrong with our society? How do we solve that problem? Do we need to go to crowdsourcing and get these people higher salaries through crowdfunding? How do we solve that? How do we change that, Chris? Okay, that's a big problem you're throwing out there. So here's the thing is that 
for some people, because you say you want to be a teacher does not make you a good teacher. So we need more rigorous standards for what a good teacher is. And I think we got to get away from this idea that everybody has to be a great teacher at everything. Like, like I was saying earlier, it's probably better for us to seek maybe the top 10 or 20 teachers to teach a specific subject. Like you like science max and maybe that person is very good at teaching science do we need every teacher in america or in the world to teach in the same way no we only need five or ten of them to do this and to be able to record their content and build a curriculum around these people so that lowers the bar of what a teacher has to be and a teacher in my opinion shouldn't be a teacher at all they should just be a facilitator nice right so in the classroom is where we should have discussions and say what did you learn from watching this video from science max so all they need to do is prepare a few really good questions and sit back and kind of be a little bit of a cheerleader to take away this fear base. Like, did you get the answer right or wrong? Right. Because in that way, the, the reptile brain can go to sleep so that we can operate on a higher level. We can have discussion. We could get our hands dirty and make things and then present things. So these are skills that are going to be very necessary in the 21st century economy to be able to communicate, to, to work collaboratively collaboratively and to have empathy for other people. These are skills that aren't, aren't being trained in any level as far as I'm aware of, as, especially K through 12. Uh, we should, we should uh, give them software so they can do presentations, teach them how to build models, give them access to 3D prototyping things, uh, tools so that they can express their ideas and mm. integrate uh, all, all forms of art, whether that's music, uh, visual art or dance or something else, poetry. And I think that those are really potent skills. So when you're talking about uh, students and our teachers and crowdsourcing or crowdfunding, my feeling is this. I believe in a very capitalistic society like ours, entrepreneurs will finally wake up and say, look, we don't need to crowdsource or crowdfund all teachers. We just need a few people to experiment and make some investments in their ideas and see which ideas win. And hopefully, if it's a really good idea, that idea spreads and that becomes the new standard. Uh, of course, I'm biased here because I have a horse in that game. And I would love it for uh, people who have means like Bill, Bill and Melinda Gates or, or Warren Buffett, whoever is, is, is very philanthropic, is to set up like a thousand uh, competitions. You know, like we'll, we'll, we'll give you X number of dollars, $100,000 to seed your idea if you can write a proposal and we'll see which ones are the best. Just like these uh, hackathons, like let them try it out, try different ideas. And and maybe it's a hybrid between teams 14 and 444, put them together like, okay, the idea is not necessary to make a lot of money, but to change and fundamentally improve the education system. Man, that's your kicking knowledge here, man. I totally agree with 100% of what you just said, 100%. Um, when I think of a teacher as a facilitator, I get the chills because that's all your reaction. Yeah, man. I mean, there's so much content out there and the stress and the struggle to have to actually create your own content. How inefficient is that? Every single day, imagine saying, okay, today we have to teach biology. We're going to have to set up this whole thing in this classroom and we're going to have to get all the tubes and the petri dishes and everything right, right. set up so that we can demonstrate, demonstrate this one thing. That's been done a hundred thousand times, right? Yeah. I love what you said that it's about the reaction and it's about the takeaways and what you learn from something, not necessarily the actual learning of it. You know, I think that's what's the most important thing. I have never seen a smart, at least in my kids' school, and they they go to a good school. I've never mm -hmm. seen a, a smart board in their 
in their classrooms. Now he is in TK, so it's very young. You know, do they have a computer? I think they have computers. You know, do they have a, a projector with a big monitor on it? Yeah, I think in one classroom. But why isn't that there for the the entire day? You know, why aren't they using asynchronous video to use that techie term? Why aren't they using that to consume their content and then and then to your point, you know, discussing takeaways and learnings in a way where it stimulates all of our senses and it's and it's entertaining. Yeah. I, I remember a handful of teachers. I went to public school and there was there's no kind of special program I was involved in. It's just pretty standard California public school education, right? And I remember there are a couple of teachers who taught their subjects in ways that made it come to life. And I wish yeah. that were more the standard in education than the ones that are currently the, the kind of de facto standard. Um, Mr. Janice uh, taught uh, math and I forget which uh, level, but it was that uh, I was in a junior high. He would ask us questions. He wouldn't sit there and draw formulas on the board. He'd ask us questions like, oh, what's an even number? And you're like, I know what an even number is. Like, well, define it. What's your hypothesis? Like, what's your theorem for what an even number is? And we would all participate. And then he would challenge us to prove our thinking. And it was such an intellectually stimulating, demanding, even scary way of learning because we're using English to talk about math. Huh. And he's right. like, what's a whole number? What's a rational number? What's a non-rational number? And we don't even know what these terms are. And these, these teen, you know, teenagers are sitting there trying to figure out like, what is a rational number? And we would propose theorems and, and it was just a great, I've never had another math teacher like that. And then yeah, I, how, how often do you find a teacher like that? You know, they right. make movies about people like that. They, they do. And that's because we make movies about remarkable people that are yeah. exceptional but then why is that the exception? That's the problem I'm having here. So once we discover that there's a teacher who's teaching in ways that are very engaging, uh, why aren't we just building whole systems around the way they teach? Because we don't need 85 versions of, the, of a math teacher. We need, like I said, five of the best and say, like, what can we learn from this? And let's put our attention there. There was another teacher who taught coding. And the way he taught coding back in the day was to, to help uh, us think about graphics on the screen. And he was like, I, I would like for you to draw a, a, a star using coding. And then you have to think like, how do I do that? Right. And then he's like, I want you to make a multicolored star. And it's like, oh, okay. So he would just give us a little bit of code and hints and just allow the kids to slam on the keyboard until they figured it out. And then kids right. like me would start to write programs and ask you questions and, and, and do a little onboarding wizards and play jokes on you. And, and that was really fun. Well, I think... I think here's the channel or the, the 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 startup, the company, the channel, the industry that's going to explode right now, which is, you know, the YouTubers of education. I feel like that is about to get really big. I hope really so. Big, you know, and and I think that you're right. I mean, you you have a horse in the game because I do have a horse in that. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, that's exactly what you do. And I want to get into that. I want to talk about specifically what you do. Okay. But I feel like this is this is the true renaissance for people that can either specifically educate, create content, put it out there to educate, to get people stimulated, young and old. Yeah. But then also to enable people to do that with the technology, with the pipes, with the infrastructure, with the systems and all that. So let's get into that a little bit. Talk okay. to me about what you're up to, what you're doing, how you're helping people. I'd love to learn more. Okay. Now, nothing would make me happier if the educators of the world got a spike in, in traffic, attention, and resources. Uh, but I'm a little skeptical, I have to tell you, because what's going to happen right now is uh, I'm pretty sure YouTube traffic is going to spike 
but people want to turn off their brains. And this is the real challenge to make education entertaining, to, to make it stimulating, to make you want to lean in. So we need personalities. We need some edge. It just can't be like uh, that the teacher in Ferris Bueller's like anyone, anyone. You know, I think it's Ben Stein who plays that character perfectly. He's monotone in his delivery. Yeah. Okay, so what are we doing? Talk about getting typecasted. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a genius though, but. Uh, no, I know, I know, I know that, yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's but that's kind of like how we feel. That's a stereotype, right? Of how teachers they talk at you, not to you, mm. and that's a big problem. Okay, so what are we doing on on our channel? We're we're trying to teach people the soft skills, the things that tend to get neglected because they don't fit neat into a category, and they're very difficult to teach. Uh, I can teach you how to use Photoshop pretty quickly. I can show you how to draw beautiful logos uh, using a vector drawing program. We get that. Because you push these buttons, there's a binary thing. But when it comes to things like communication, empathy, listening skills, uh, even things like sales or marketing, it becomes a lot more difficult because there are there are no binary kind of right or wrong answers. And this is the thing we're trying to help for now creative people to understand these skills and to implement them in their practice because they'll be more successful at sharing their vision with the world. Nice, man. And then uh, give me give me your web address, please. Okay. Uh, if people want to check us out on YouTube, you can you can search for us, The Future, and it's spelled without an E. Just remember, drop the ego, The Future, and you should be able to find us. We have about 740,000-ish subscribers, and we teach on a variety of topics. But you can also find me on social. I'm at the Chris Doe. Doe spelled D-O. Got it. Amazing, man. Amazing. And then what's uh, what's in your pipeline? I mean, what's what is your, you know, next couple of weeks, months look like? You know, ironically or not ironically, we we uh, we just got off a management call um, late yesterday about ideas that we can implement. And what we're thinking about right now is this is a wonderful opportunity. The attention of the world is on this subject right now. We have the strike when the, the fire is hot and, or the iron's hot. And we're thinking about how we can create as close as possible a proxy for in-person learning as possible. Now, we have a lot of experience with making high-end videos, and we've been broadcasting and streaming for a number of years now. So we have all the tech, but what we need to do is close that gap. For example, I'm talking to you right now, so I can see you react in physical ways. And your reaction will change how I continue to talk. If I see people leaning in, they want more of this. If, if I see people nodding off, they want less of this. Whoops. So, yeah. so we're trying to figure out how to create that experience like people are in the same room with us. How can, how can you raise your hand and talk to me? And how can I help you uh, have a conversation with other people in the room? Because we know some learning comes from the teacher. A lot of learning comes from doing. But quite a bit of learning comes from learning from other students. Right. So that's, and that's, that's what we're thinking about. Collaborative sense. Yeah, no, that's yeah. totally true. It's it's funny because I, I think of all of this, I think of YouTube, I think of YouTube kids when I think about this a lot, but YouTube kids is just, there's no way for parents to to kind of sort through the information on YouTube kids. They end up, your kids end up with, with the goo videos, like within yeah. 20 minutes, they end up on the goo videos. Right. And and there there needs to be a, a, a paradigm shift towards all the things that you're talking about, man. And I and I'm psyched that you are at the forefront of that because I'm a a monster believer in this in this whole movement. Now, unfortunately, it's a virus. 
a pandemic that has made us realize that we have needed this this paradigm shift. That's the yeah. really unfortunate thing, and and thousands of people are are dying from this, and that's terrible. Right. Um, but if I can just pull one positive thing out of this, is that we are going to change our mindsets. We're going to be mm. more open minded. We're going to be leveraging technology. We're going to be educating ourselves, enabling ourselves, working with people like Chris um, to just to make this place better, man. That's that's the goal here, isn't it? Yeah, I do want to say this. Um, I don't know if you're a fan of The Watchmen. I hope I don't give anything away too much here because uh, it's been around for a long time. Alan Moore's yeah. The Watchmen, right? Yeah. And the world is on the brink of World War III, total yeah. annihilation. Yes. And and so I think as Osmondeus, he's like, you know what? Uh, we need to create an alien threat so that we can stop fighting each other. And horrible things happen. Millions of people die. But the world does come together. The nuclear option is like now uh, diffused a little bit, right? And so I think of this pandemic as a wake-up call that we're all in this together. It's like we're seeing uh, acts of generosity in ways that we haven't seen. I just read earlier this morning that Taiwan is shipping 100,000 masks a week to the U.S. because they have capacity and they've been ready for this. And we're also seeing, uh, and I don't want to get too political, but we're also seeing uh, the the, the president and, and mostly the Republicans get on board with this idea of universal basic income because this is messing up our economy. It's going to put people in the streets. Uh, people don't, I mean, I just can't imagine the economic havoc that this pandemic is going to happen because we named a few businesses that are going to do well of all the kinds of businesses that are out there. They're going to be going through major problems. Uh, the instant that this quarantine was put on, People are getting laid off, like just like that. They're laying off people. You know, I, I have a confession, man. Before this conversation, I had this neuron fire where I said, "Listen, man, I'm not in a good place, man. I, yeah. There's so much going on, and 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 I was I was gonna reschedule with you, man. I opened up my email and I put reschedule as a subject line, and it was a kind of a moment of weakness. It was just a micro thing, not to talk about myself right now, but you know, I realized in that moment. Um, when I deleted that subject line and instead sent you the link so that we could meet, I realized that that was fear that I was feeling. I was feeling fear and I was fearing, feeling overwhelmed and, and that I couldn't necessarily move on, you know, and, and I was sort of inspired by that old Hollywood adage, you know, the show must go on. You know, I think the most important thing for us to do right now is to get over this idea of fear and working out of fear, because after all, what is fear? Fear is false evidence appearing real, you know, as that ac that cute acronym goes, mm -hmm. right? So look, we're going to be fine in, in weeks or months. It's that I can say that with 100% certainty. But what we need to do is to not necessarily succumb to that fight, flight, freeze response that disallows us from continuing on in the productive things that we're doing. Because if we do that, that's what causes recessions and that's what causes failures. Listen, you guys, not to be a capitalist right now, but fortunes are made in downturns. You know, that's when fortunes are made. That's when people say, you know what? I'm going to 10x what I'm doing. If they're on YouTube, they're going to make more videos. If they're building technology, they're going to iterate that, that technology. If they're, you know, selling, they're going to figure out ways to sell. And I think that if we can all come together and if we can figure out how to get through this as, as, a, as a unified entity i think we're all going to do better i think the key though is just to get get through it and i just have a simple question for you chris how are you getting through this right now what are you doing right now 
to move forward, carry on with your business, carry on with your contentment? Yeah, it's it's a very challenging time for sure. And I think like I had mentioned to you before, like we live in this default mode and we don't really want to change, but a change agent has been thrust upon us and it's causing us to like re-examine our belief system, how we work, uh, how close we need to be to work to, for it to be functional. Now, luckily for us, we've been prepared for this for quite some time because uh, most of my team is remote anyways, and they have the option to come into the office or not. We mostly work with cloud syncing, video conferencing, and our audience, our customers are people who are tuning into to content just like this uh, all over the world. So we've kind of been prepared for this. But what we're also seeing here, and just we, I want to get really real about this, is we sustain ourselves on people buying our courses and, and our information products, right? But the first thing that happens, like uh, what we're saying here is like budgets are going to tighten up because people have a very real um, uh, question about whether or not they can afford rent or food. And that's why we're saying like, is education discretionary at this point? And so we're going to see, we see um, uh, just like uh, the trend in the last few days going down, like people are getting really tight with their money. We totally understand that. We're going to do what we can to help. But it's it's kind of, we're, we're jumping into the abyss. Nobody knows. We've never been here as a society before. So I don't know. All I can do is adapt to what's going on, to be human, to be empathetic, and to be sensitive to, to the fact that some people are in dire need right now, and some people have a lot longer runway. So we can only adapt to what happens on a day-to-day -day basis. Nice, man. So just I'll give some uh, some socials here once again. So the future without the E on YouTube, F-U-T-U-R. Yep. And then once again, your uh, your Twitter my Twitter and all across social media is at the Chris Doe, D-O. And you can okay. find more information about us on thefuture.com. And does that have an E? No, no E. Okay, no E. Future, yeah. Future.com without the E. Got it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Listen, man, I, I really appreciate this time, this insight, this this thought leadership, man. Um, I, I want to get, uh, there was, a, there was a, a clip in there that you dropped, which I want to get to, to Bill and Melinda. <laughs> yes. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time, Christo. Thanks, Urban. And I also want to say thanks for like, you know, processing your fear and sharing that with us in a very vulnerable way. Mm -hmm. uh, as you can tell, my voice isn't great because I also, my, you know, I'm getting over a cold. So we both got to do what we got to do. And right. like you said, it, it's easy to fall back into that state where you just shut down. And for some people, that's totally normal, necessary, and do that. Just shut down for a minute so you can process what's going on. Uh, those that can, we just we march forward and we keep going. Yeah. Well, we got a lot of comments here. I'm going to go back and respond to a number of these, and I'll, I'll mention you in this. But uh, Chris, once again, thank you so much, man. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. Be safe. Bye-bye now. Bye.